Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It is the APC podcast once again from AcmePackingCompany.com, SB Nation, Vox Media, talking Green Bay Packers all day, every day for you fine folks. The Packers beat the Carolina Panthers 24-16 to 16 after a, a walk-off goal line stop, if that is a thing, sealing the deal and ending the uh, snowy Lambeau affair. So the Packers are now 8-2 and two at the bye week. Uh, the latest bye week the team has had in, I believe, decades. Um, I'll have to check uh, with our statistician, uh, the intern, my dog, Sonny, who is currently eating some kind of rubbish from between his toes right next to me. I'll, maybe I'll post that on our Instagram account, at the APC pod on Instagram. Follow the show, at the APC pod on Twitter as well. Subscribe, all that fun stuff. I am Zach Rapport in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, let's talk some Packers. we got the usual cohort here, Alex Patakis, uh, sporting a, uh, a very fetching Green Bay Packers cap in the video chat. I see you bobbing along there. you got the uh, Lafleur flag at your disposal as well. I have that. i got the flag, and I'm carrying the G with me wherever I go this week, baby. <laughs> that is the, uh, that's the quarterback's message to the team as they head out. Head out uh, for the bye week. Uh, ben Foldy, a little peek behind the curtain. Moments uh, before we hit record, Ben Foldy, because we have a video chat here, uh, slurped a bit, like put a bowl up to his face, slurped it, and then said, it's good borscht weather. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that, Alex. Ben, are you literally eating borscht right now? <laughs> I honestly think that all weather is good borscht weather. Can I... Can I just be the voice of maybe like some people listening and say, I don't know what that is? What is that? This is a very goyish uh, comment, but I will entertain it. Um, <laughs> borscht is an Eastern European uh, soup. It's a beet-based. Oh. oh. Uh, uh, and there's different forms of it. You can have just kind of like the, the summer borscht traditionally served cold is mostly just beet juice, essentially. I mean, like with some beets in it. And then... Uh, the Ukrainian style is a heartier soup. It traditionally has a short rib, and then and then this borscht actually uh, yeah, a lot of the like rootiness of the broth came from dried mushrooms. Oh wow! Yeah. So, but it's it's a yeah. It's a it's a great. It's like it's honestly it's a soup for all seasons. I love beets, and they're supposed to be great, especially for males, right? Like reproductive health. It's supposed to be like incredible. 
I don't know, but sure. Um, I haven't had any kids yet, but I eat a lot of borscht. <laughs> I wish I could taste borscht for the first time. It's that, it's that kind of thing. Before, uh, before we move on, a quick sponsor break. Today's show is brought to you by Borscht. Um, so log on to borscht.com and enter promo code borscht for 15% off of your, uh, your first ever borscht, if you can prove that you have indeed never, never had it before. It's a fun um, word to say too, borscht. It is. There's like secret syllables in there. Honestly, like, look, I I hope this like inspires somebody. I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of Jews in Green Bay. I might be wrong about that. But um, <laughs> you know, I don't like it's a perfect tailgate soup. Like hit hit me with your borscht, Green Bay Packers, Jew and other Eastern European <laughs> fans. Oh man. This is we're off to a we're off to a great start. Um Note nugs. Let's get into note nugs. Um, preferably not borscht related. However, we can continue that theme throughout the show. And if you, know, if you want to tie in your favorite Eastern European delicacy, Ben Folda, you are welcome to hashtag note nugs. You can tweet at us after every game at the APC pod and uh, we will um, share some of your thoughts. But first, let's get our thoughts and I'll start us rolling today. I tweeted a bit um, about this during the game. But I wanted to shout out Jamal Williams in this game, who, especially in nasty weather, has really proven himself um, to be not not just like a, a change of pace back, but a versatile weapon to pair with with Aaron Jones. And I know that Aaron Jones is going to get his own accolades for, for this week after averaging 7.2 yards per carry on 13 carries and I think all three of the Packers touchdowns. Um, great day for him, and he deserves all, all praise. But but I wanted to shout out Jamal Williams because as the game wore on and and uh, it was closer really than anyone wanted there in the second half and as the wet snow sort of began to fall and make it really dicey out there, it was Jamal Williams who helped the Packers eat up like six minutes a clock in the third quarter. And 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 I mentioned earlier, I, I had tweeted about this during the game. We were talking about it, guys, in, in our text thread. But he ran for 15 yards, then he ran for 10 yards, then he ran for 16 yards. Um, helping the Packers eat the clock there and get into field goal range going up 24 to 10. So um, I don't know. I just, as the offense continues to evolve and as young wide receivers kind of vie for, for targets from Rodgers, it's just, it's such a luxury to have a duo of backs who are as dynamic and kind of complementary as, as Jones and Williams. And of course with Williams, you know, who, who we had on the show during his rookie year. So we know, um, he's just an easy guy to root for. He's like sincere and goofy, and and yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that his his effort on Sunday did not go unheralded. Did you see his viral uh, tweet moment yesterday? I did. Yeah, when he was uh, doing the sort of like pre bi week locker room interview, and he sort of checked out mid question. <laughs> yeah, that was beautiful. Really relatable guy. Jamal. Yeah, totally. Very totally. happy. Very, you know, I think we can call him a friend of show at this point. Sure. He has no idea who we are, but he was on our show once. He would maybe vaguely remember us. I think so. I think so. He'd, he'd stop listening in the middle of the question and then come back <laughs> and be like, who? And then, but that's okay. <laughs> no, we had a good time with him. And I think that he gave uh, some really good answers. If anyone wants to go dig out that interview, it is online uh, for your consumption. But yeah, Ben, to your point, uh, if anyone didn't hear it, 
all over Twitter. You can find, I think Rob Domofsky might have tweeted it, Wildy, all the, all the usual suspects were tweeting about it, but there's video footage of him being interviewed at his locker. And I forget who's asking the question, but there's, he asked, a reporter asks a question and then <laughs> this sort of strange look comes over Jamal Williams' face and he just kind of goes, mm, hmm, you know, I got to be honest, I kind of stopped listening halfway through, <laughs> halfway through that question, followed by uh, some guffaws from, from the scrum. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. Those are the moments that, that I really love. Alex, what about you? What do you think of Jamal Williams this season? Oh, I think he's been outstanding. I mean, the Packers running backs as if, if they were the Packers backfield, I think um, I was reading about this today, like just their combined numbers is actually like one of the most effective backfields in all of football. And it's amazing that Aaron Jones could be putting up like MVP like numbers almost um, not quite MVP like numbers, but th- there was a comparison with McCaffrey, at least with touchdowns. And and Williams is and it's not like they're depriving Williams of the ball. You know, it's like it's they they finally struck that balance. Um, I also read this chart about like the position groups um, that different teams are like allocating their targets towards. And I think the Packers were like in the twenties in terms of like running back targets, um, like twenty six percent of passes or something like that. Some of that's because they don't throw to the tight end as much, but like that's great. That's modern football. That's using all your weapons. Um, and Jamal Williams definitely allows him to do that. So I've been, I've been really, I mean, like you can't help but be like really pleased with both of these guys. Um, and you feel like, you know, if Aaron Jones gets hurt the course of a game, which has happened, not like serious injury, but um, Williams can carry the load the rest of the way. He's more than capable yeah. uh, in the passing game too. That's the thing is they both do everything, um, which is what's so awesome. And yeah, and he's super fun. <laughs> I mean, also the other thing is that, you know, this is all kind of a corollary nug for the big uglies, right? Like, I mean, I think the offensive line has gotten some, uh, a bit of a light shown on it just for some ugly kind of notable, meaningful penalties, uh, which is kind of new for the Packers. But when you also look at, you know, somebody like Elton Jennings coming in and, and being able to, you know, run between the tackles, um, I think the offensive line is, has been really good this season. Totally agree. And I don't want um, the dropping of the phrase corollary nug to go unnoticed <laughs> and uncalled out because um, that was excellent. Really quickly before we move on, let's um, give Jamal Williams stat line. Also had 13 carries like like Aaron Jones, 63 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. Not a bad day for basically the second guy in that rotation. Um Ben, give me your note nug, man. My note nug is that I continue to be impressed with Alan Lazard, and I consider him to be the number two wide receiver on this team. It's pronounced Alien Lizard, I believe. I think we decided <laughs> that. <laughs> the Lazard King. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I was kind of quietly banging the drum for Alan Lazard. I think I, I don't remember if I was on the record for liking Lazard last season, but I, I know I have been for most of this season. Can you quietly bang a drum? I just want to clarify real quick. <laughs> Yeah, it's called a pianissimo. There you go. I was, I was, I was <laughs> swishing the brushes. I wasn't banging. I was swishing the brushes. It was like a jazz thing. There you go. You've been quietly swishing the drum for yeah. all season. And uh, you know, and honestly, I mean, like, like he's he's a you know he had that one game with the 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 outstanding you know catch, but um, outside of that, he's had really impressive high leverage, low, 
uh, low. You know, they're not they, they're not gonna make it into the ESPN one minute highlight reel kind of plays, right? But he's he's been able to catch the ball when it's thrown to him in high leverage situations. Sometimes, you know, he's got a beautiful catch point. He, uh, you know, almost came down with that touchdown. Uh, like I, I just, you know, he's the real deal. And uh, I thought he was the real deal coming out of the draft, and was kind of surprised when he didn't get picked up. And uh, I'm glad that. The, series of happy accidents has brought him to be, I think, uh, you know, Green Bay's number two of the future, probably. Yeah, high leverage situations and uh, yeah, meaningful, meaningful situations. He's always got like, seems like two or three catches a game that like it's a critical first down or it's just a moment where they really need a clutch catch. And, and like you said, it's not a highlight catch, but he comes down with it and and moves the chains. All right, Alex, we're not letting you off the hook. Give me your note nug. <laughs> All right. So uh, it's, albeit not the, the dankest of nugs this week, because I feel like in many ways I'm, I'm talking about the same things every week with this team and watching a very similar game and talking about how the offense played well, but the defense still had to bail them out. Um, but actually just one, one thing I will say, an area for improvement going into the bye week, um, and this is not me being critical or anything less than thrilled with an eight and two record, um, through 10 games a season. Cause I think that they've been phenomenal and they're a legit super bowl contender. But, um, the sequence at the end of the half was interesting because I thought it was a very easy opportunity for the Packers to make this not a game. Um, in particular because of the way that they had success running the football. Like if they would have executed the double up, which I wanted so bad, cause I feel like we like never get double ups anymore. And that's, Oh, that's always just been an Aaron Rodgers thing that Mike McCarthy killed um, and we had a really good opportunity. Uh, that was a beautiful drive that just ended in like almost like comedic fashion. The decision to go for it um, on the final play of the half and setting, instead of kicking the field goal, I think was definitely the right thing to do. And I guess, you know, you could argue call or execution, but all I know is that I was watching this game actually at Tom and Jerry's for the first time uh, or second game this season and there was a large group of Packers fans, myself included, who just laughed out loud at how poorly executed that final play was when you have time to prepare for that. Like, I couldn't help but laugh at Jamal Williams as he got tackled in the backfield and had zero prayer of getting the end zone. But, I mean, if they if they do score there, like, it, they made the right call to go for it and they do score, um, this isn't even really a game. You know, like, I credit the Panthers. They're a quality opponent. But I, I still think they're clearly a tier below the Packers, even though the difference in the game at the end of it was like a half a yard or maybe a camera angle that wasn't actually captured. Um, so that's like really all I got, but they did not score on that. Well, some people think that like that there wasn't a good enough angle to even try to reverse it. But like, I, I don't know. I think people just assumed the ball was higher up like towards his head. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. It, it was not a score. It was a clear stop. I thought, um, but yeah, um, areas for improvement, finishing drives, I think, at, at certain points this season, because they have had a lot of instances where the offense looks so great. And then you like look at the drive chart and it's like touchdown, punt, punt, punt. And it's like, wait, they feel so effective. Um, yeah. And that was certainly one. And, and Jimmy Graham was a large part of that. So kudos to him, too. Jimmy Graham, who always looks like he's just like anxiously awaiting the next guy to tackle him, even in space. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Why, why are you so scared to be hit? Um, He's big and old. Yeah, I guess. But He's you're big. big like, I mean, you can 
Being old is one thing, but when you're big and you're running at like a full head of steam downfield, like what do you think is going to happen, man? Whatever. He played well. Good job, Jimmy. <laughs> Whatever. He played well. Um, with that, we'll transition into some listener note nugs uh, because uh, some of these are relevant, Alex, to, to what you um, just got through saying. Hashtag note nugs again on Twitter after every game. You guys can, can let us know uh, how you feel, what you thought was notable. Nick Varley, I should say, uh, last year's podcast pick'em winner, Nick Varley, official title now. Uh, he writes in, the offensive play calling in short yarded situations was McCarthy-esque. Hashtag note nugs. Matt LaFleur was asked uh, several times over the course of the, the last few days about specifically that play call at the at the end of the half, which uh, I also agree was like, it, it wasn't funny, but I laughed, you know, when he yeah. tackled the backfield. I was like, ha, why? Why did they do that? And and I will say that to LaFleur's credit, I think um, he recognized pretty quickly um he recognized in the post-game interview and then reiterated it again uh yesterday in his press availability that he stands by going for the touchdown but he would just have a different play dialed up uh that particular play was really not for that circumstance it was a bad play call and and that's something that i think that that we've seen with lafleur over the course of this year, there are some instances where he's kind of still learning on his feet a little bit. I think that his his uh, scripted plays, the beginnings of games, are usually uh, usually pretty successful, pretty fluid. And then there are those moments throughout the games where there's stopping and starting, sometimes mostly stopping. But there are um, a number of instances I think we can point to uh, throughout the season of just like... Uh, yeah, that's just a, a young coach made the wrong decision. But yeah. I, I don't know, Alex. I credit him with with uh, um, with acknowledging that. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, again, the decision to go for it is great, and I'm glad that he's aware that he, you know, probably could have made a better call in that situation. You're going for it because you're confident in Aaron Rodgers. Then just give him an at bat. You know, like just let yeah. just just go down with him um, rather than than <laughs> uh, than barely even being able to hand the ball off. Um, yeah, to Jamal yeah. Williams, or anyway. a different running play, something outside. I don't know. You know, there's there's a lot of options there. It doesn't have to be a pass instead of a run. But that particular play was just like do, doomed from the start, quite obviously. Yeah, and the Packers are really effective running when they spread people out. Like even if they ran, you know, kind of like the Panthers did at the end of the game. Like even something like that would be slightly more understandable. Um, yeah. But anyway, whatever. Play call guy. A win's a win. There was a big a big whiffed block too. I mean, it's not like that play went off without a hitch yeah yeah but there was a real like mccarthy deja vu moment for me um when the packers tried to get carolina to jump off sides on fourth down and then took a delay of game penalty i mean not not like an unnecessary delay of game penalty but i, I mean it just brought me back to years of watching mike mccarthy try to do that in in various situations and being completely unable to remember a single time in which it worked. And I don't know if you guys can remember a time where ever, literally ever, anybody like jumped off sides on a fourth down against the Packers, but it, it felt good. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually going to tee up this, this next note nug that uh, comes on Twitter from Evan, who says, why be aggressive and go for the touchdown at the end of the half, but not go for it on fourth down and ice the game to save, to save 20 yards? Um, Sort of on this uh, similar note of of 
play calling oddities, sort of the uh, going for it on fourth, but just taking the delay of game and having no in, intention of actually going for it. Uh, Foldy, you and I, I think, disagree. Or didn't disagree, but maybe we had a little bit of a failure to communicate on on text as we were uh, discussing our uh, our feelings about that. I think we both agree that we have a relative dislike of that as a strategy. Quote, I totally get it. Like, I mean, yeah. look, if you know you're going to punt five yards from whatever, like the 44 isn't going to make a big difference, right? In fact, you're probably making your punter's life a little bit easier to yeah. try to angle it out. But, you know, I, I think in retrospect, in a game that they lost or they won by a yard, right? Presumably, like let's assume the worst <laughs> and a two-point conversion. Um, you know, that field position's going to matter. Um, but I I also I would have been in favor for them going for it. Like I would not have criticized them for that decision just because I think the the numbers show generally that going for it on fourth and short in high leverage situations is better usually. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I it, it, to me, that's like a neutral play. Like, I don't, I don't feel they made a mistake. I don't feel that, um, you know, I feel, I feel more, I, I, yeah, I, it's just, it's not something I feel particularly strongly about from a play calling perspective. I just felt very nostalgic for Mike McCarthy watching, <laughs> you know, this kind of anticlimactic attempt to, to drive, uh, to pull a guy off sides. And I literally cannot remember a single time in which that's worked. Yeah, no, it, uh, it, I don't think it ever has. I don't know. Prove prove us wrong. Uh, I guess I'm trying to. There. I mean, it's also it's also possible. I guess I'm trying to remember. It might have bled some time off the clock. I can't remember if the clock was running, but I don't recall either. Let's move on. Louis tweeting in his hashtag note nug. Rogers was good, not great. I hated that last offensive drive. I love the Smiths, even with the penalties. Got to listen to the Smiths when we can. Eight and two, baby. Hashtag note nugs. Thanks, Lily, for sending that in. He says, I hated the last offensive drive. I think, yeah, not the best way to end that game. The last two offensive drives ending in uh, ending in punts. And uh, here's a note nug coming in from uh, Chris on Twitter. He says, hashtag note nugs. What happens when Kyle Allen is a top 10 quarterback? And I was trying to figure out if he meant that he thinks Kyle Allen is soon to be a top 10 quarterback or if he thinks hey, this guy is a backup, and the Packers almost lost to him, and the sky is falling, and blah, 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 because that's the angle that I want to take with this, Chris, and I'm sorry if I'm misinterpreting your question, but um, I've, I've seen that there's always that contingent of Packers fans, the, the negative ones, who after every game, even when it's a win, and there have been eight of them so far this year, have to find you know the thing that just that just chafes them, the little you know negative thing to... to uh, to glom onto and focus on because I don't know, they have no joy or happiness in their lives. I don't know. But Kyle Allen, um, Alex, I'm interested what, what you think backup quarterback, almost kind of in name only. I feel like he's better than some starters right now. Yeah. I mean, he's only had two bad games. They came against the 49ers who are what eight and one now or nine. Yeah. Uh, and the Packers are eight and two. So, I mean, he's, he's clearly proven that he's, of a serviceable quarterback. And um, I don't know, actually, I don't remember reading when they shut Cam Newton down, um, if he needed to be shut down for the season, or if that was a decision because, you know, they're not in as desperate a situation because Kyle Allen has actually played better and led them to a winning streak. Um, 
in terms of the way that he played against the Packers, I, I will say this. Like, his numbers, they look pretty decent. Uh, he definitely racked up yards by throwing to DJ Moore on the perimeter against Kevin King, who, even though he allowed all those yards, I still felt made a couple of plays in this game and played pretty well. I also wonder if footing was an issue because it felt like almost every catch of DJ Moore's was like a comeback route or a curl route yeah. where Kevin King just like was late to get back. Yeah. Um, and also Greg Olson tore him up for like, you know, almost a hundred yards. I think he had 98 yards and, um, you could say what you want about the Packers defense. Like you knew that Greg Olson was like, well, first off, like Greg Olson and Christian McCaffrey are just guys who are going to tear the Packers apart for like, I feel like it's the last decade. So you could argue with like the defensive scheme, but it's not like the Packers made him look like a superstar. He also right. sh- should have had three interceptions. He only had one um, because the Packers dropped a couple of interceptions. Um, you know, there was the Jair Alexander. That's a tough play to make, but that would have been a game ceiling interception and that would have been a second one. And I think Adrian Amos had another one that he should have intercepted, right? The one that didn't turn into an interception from Tremont Williams, unless I'm making that up. Um, no, I think that's right. Yeah, so really, he probably should have had a three-interception game um, against and, and was sacked three times and pressured, especially late in the game, when the game was on the line, uh, pressured enough to where you felt like the Packers might get away with it, even though, again, it came down to a half a yard. But yeah. um, at no point did I feel like, wow, the Packers' defense is playing so poorly and making a scrub look like a star. Like He's a good yeah. quarterback who doesn't make a lot of mistakes and almost made more mistakes than he has in any other game against this Packers team, but the wind was swirling and it was snowing and guys didn't catch the ball. Yeah. He's a good enough quarterback, and Ron Rivera as well, I think, is pretty underrated as a coach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Panthers are a good team. You know, <laughs> like, that's that's the other part of it. Like, the, the supporting cast around him isn't exactly terrible. Um, so, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. Same. Let's breeze through uh, a few more note nugs and and wrap up uh, this segment here. Glenn tweets in hashtag note nugs. All bend, no effing break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm big. I'm big on that one. I like that. Got a tweet in from, and I am going to butcher this, Halutha Demaha on Twitter. <laughs> I think that's how you say that. But he says, I told my family, here comes the victory flakes when it started to snow. And I think that's a thing now. Hashtag victory flakes. Anytime it snows, we're calling it. That's a thing now. One last note nug, and then we will move on. Jeff tweets in hashtag note nugs. Lack of defending the crossing routes will be the death of us. I I see you smirking, Alex. Um, <laughs> is that going to be the death of us? It um, seems like it's. No, uh, I mean I don't know. Like, what can you do? I guess you know what. If someone kills that, what with, can you do? Kills us with that. You have someone should... there to cover that space. I don't know. I tweeted <laughs> a few times about the vacancy sign that's flashing there in the middle of the field. That's one option. Um, Abraham Candle had Campbell had a good game though. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Kill him right back with the crossing routes. We'll have a coach who will finally call some. So that's my counter to that. Yeah. Speaking of Ibrahim Campbell, let's move on from Note Nugs and we'll uh, we'll take some questions here uh, from you guys. So we'll move on to little mailbag segment. We'll play the annoying sounders. Everyone will bob their head on the video chat. You've got mail. And we will cut out the sounders so we don't get sued. Uh, ben Saylor tweets in since Raven Green went down I've felt that the lack of starting caliber hybrid safety slash linebacker might have pulled the linchpin out of the defense leading to a drop off after week three 
How much did getting Ibrahim Campbell back appear to help on that front this last Sunday? I don't know how, how closely you guys were paying attention to him, but I think it was really, really telling. Um, I think it was really, really telling that Oren Burks got a few snaps in the beginning of the game. And then uh, in many packages, it felt like he was quickly replaced by Ibrahim Campbell. Um, who I think did he have a forced fumble later? He in did the game? Was off that of McCaffrey. Him? I don't think they recovered it though, right? Uh, yes, I, I think that's right. You know, Campbell is a guy who he might be just a guy, but he's a guy that that Petten clearly trusts a lot. And um, I I've heard uh, I've heard some say that people are saying <laughs> people are saying that. Um, that if Campbell was healthy to start the season, he would have been the choice over Green, and I think that um, there's a there's a case for that. So Ben, to an- to answer your uh, your question, how much did getting Ibrahim Campbell back appear to help uh, last Sunday? I think it was a I think it was a big help, and I think um, we'll look for further improvement here um, in the coming weeks. Speaking of the coming weeks, we have a question in from David who says. Will their game against the 49ers determine the number one seed after week 17? That's an interesting question, uh, Alex, with the 49ers finally uh, losing uh, last night and in, uh, as we record this, in an overtime thriller to the, to the Seahawks. I don't know if either of you guys actually watched that overtime. I got a chance to. But... So envious of your time zone, by the way. <laughs> that, that, don't act like that's not a big factor in you seeing that whole game. 10.30 at night, just laying in bed, watching TV, and then on my phone, I'm able to, hey, check out this last overtime couple series. Pretty, uh, yeah, I don't mean to brag, but it's pretty awesome. Um, So <laughs> I would say, like, you know, it definitely is going to play a huge factor. And then I thought, well, okay, I feel like the Niners are probably going to lose a couple more games. So maybe it really comes down to the Saints, but the Saints and Niners play each other also in a couple of weeks. So in reality, the the number one seed in the NFC is just going to be decided, um, you know, by these teams and their records against each other. And I feel like because the Niners have the Packers and the Saints, um, I would give the edge to the Packers there. But I somehow I feel like the Saints are still going to be the number one seed in the NFC. Maybe I'm crazy. Because to accept, expect the Packers to sweep the division, um, uh, I feel like is a little bit unrealistic. Um, I think they'll win the division. But um, at Minnesota, like two days before Christmas, is is really hard. And, you know... They they could lose to the Bears, I guess, maybe. Um if they Take just that back. if they I, I really don't think so, but like they would just they would just have to like only kick field goals um somehow. Um only kick two field goals. So I mean obviously it's huge. You know, it's like it's it's really freaking huge. But um I look at the Saints as a, a more likely team to, to win the NFC than the Niners. I would go like Saints, Packers, then Niners. I just don't trust San Francisco. I think if you look at the at the the rest of the schedule for both of those teams, um, if the Packers win, I really do think they're in pole position. You know, it's it's there's the lose. Um, just because I think you know the 49ers have you know they'll have a game against the Cardinals this week, then the Packers, but then they say it's Ravens, Saints, Falcons, who probably aren't as much of a oh, threat they the as they Ravens? looked like the other oh, night. Shit. Yeah, they have the Ravens too. Yeah, and then and then they finish it with the Rams and the Seahawks. Um, you know the Rams are kind of 
gar- I wouldn't say garbage, but by like Rams standards of the last couple of years, they're kind of garbage. Yeah. But you know, Seahawks, that's not a gimme. Like none of the, I, I think compare that to the Packers who face, you know, the Giants, the Washington <laughs> football team, uh, and then, you know, three, three and out against the, uh, the division, the bears are probably going to be done by then and playing hard, but done. Um, well, I guess the, the saints Viking. do have more losable games than the Packers too. So I guess I, I have to agree with Ben's rankings and I'll allow it. Yeah. I mean, I think if the Packers, if the Packers beat the Niners, which I'm not saying is a given by any means. Um, but I, I do think that they, it's, you know, they kind of set their own destiny a little bit. Yeah, the Saints have some respectable opponents that I guess you wouldn't expect, like the Colts and Titans, uh, and they play the Panthers twice. I feel like the Packers could beat the Niners, lose to the Vikings. I feel like the Packers could go 12-4 and four and still have a chance at the number one seed. 13-3, yeah. I guess, is what you're really shooting for. But And that's also, I mean, that goes along with kind of what I've been saying all season, which is that the, the, the creme de la creme of the league this year is, first, for one thing, in the AFC for the most part. <laughs> Uh, just in that the Patriots have, you know, a historic defense and granted one that mostly plays garbage teams. Yeah. And the Ravens have what feels like almost an unstoppable offense now. <laughs> yeah. The Ravens are fantastic. I love watching them. Yeah. If the Packers can't win the Super Bowl, the only thing I want to happen in the NFL is Lamar Jackson to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it does. It does scare you a bit to think about how good the Colts could have been if Andrew Luck hadn't retired and the Chiefs, I think will be, you know, they're incredibly well balanced and, and the offense is explosive. And that's not to say that the NFC is going to be like a cakewalk in the playoffs. I don't think it will be. I think that all of the NFC teams are going to be good, right? Like the Vikings are actually a good football team. Saints are a good football team. Niners are a good football team. Also with a pretty near historic defense. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's a gimme, but I do think that the Packers are right in there at the the kind of top top end of, uh, at least in the NFC for sure, in the top yeah. tier. And it's so important because the difference between, like, you know, uh, I, the first round buy is having, like, if you don't get a first round buy, you're probably going to have to host either the Niners or the Seahawks, and that's, like, an imminently losable game for any team in the conference, you know? Yeah. Or, or the other team you would have to host is, like, I guess maybe Minnesota if they don't end up winning the NFC North. Like the wild card teams in the NFC are great. Like the top of the AFC is awesome, but like the middle of the NFC is all quality teams. Yeah. Um, there's not really like a lot of bad ones. Like no bad team in the NFC is going to make the playoffs this year. There's probably going to be like a 10 and 6, 11 and 5 team that doesn't, um, yeah. which is scary. But it's also great because the Packers are 8 and 2. So. <laughs> I would I would love to see the Seahawks in the playoffs just for just yeah for, they need to make it for entertainment for value. fun's sake yeah. yeah you may regret saying those words let's move on and 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 round out our our Q and A session here with um you know we were talking a little uh a little math and and how things might play out let's go the philosophy route as Prince Robot the Fourth great handle by the way writes in (laughs) um and ben i want to send this one to you there's a subset of green bay packers fans that can't stop complaining about wins when will these anal warts i would not put it that way when will these (laughs) when will these people shut up and enjoy the season sheesh ben foldy why do these people exist what is what is it about the human condition if we can wax philosophical that makes a certain uh creates a certain subset of green bay packers fans who are never happy even when the team is eight and two heading into their bye week so this is not going to be a popular opinion 
Uh, but losing in sports is is the real emotional, like for me, the real emotional core of being a sports fan is is losing. I have way, way, way more sense memories of the Seahawks NFC Championship game that I do of the Super Bowl victory over over the Steelers. Like to me, that was the peak sporting experience. Um, I love to complain. I love to kvetch. Um, you love to eat borscht on a cold winter's day. <laughs> I think. I mean, I do. I do think that the Packers have a particularly as a fan base have a real sense of uh, and the thing that separates the Packers fan base from, you know, whatever. Take take some other fan base. Um, the entitlement towards winning is strong, um, and for me, that seems to preclude the enjoyment of the losses for many of those people. Um, and and yeah, I I like I love a brutal loss. Like I like <laughs> I, I I don't like it feels terrible, but like that's when I feel the most like alive as a sports fan these days. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but maybe with in in the absence of of brutal losses that remind you of the futility of your own life and and why you choose to do these things, um, you know maybe with these wins, you know you're just looking for futile wins. I don't know. <laughs> this is why I teed this question up for you, Ben, because man, that's an amazing answer. I don't think I actually said anything, but I do actually. I do think that you know if you read like read like Nick Hornby's. Ah, uh, Fever Pitch. Oh, yeah. I just read that. Possibly the best book written about sports. So ever. good. So good. And so much of it is about losing and like having your expectations dashed over and over and over again. And then also the 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 heightened effect of the victory in that in that um frame of mind and and uh I think Packers fans have, have been, uh, you know, in, in one hand, blessed to avoid that kind of futility for years. But, um, you know. On the other hand, cursed to never yeah. experience well, the, uh, the the loss. I don't know. It, I, th- I do agree, though, because, like, the there's one thing that the Rodgers era has been filled, like full of, and that's gut-wrenching losses. And, like, when yeah. we look back on his career, I think that those are going to be just as memorable, if not more memorable, like you said, yeah. than the win over the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Because, like, there's... I almost remember none of that game. But yeah. I remember, like, the Cardinals, like, Hail Mary apocalypse. I remember, like, the NFC. Like, I can tell you where I was. I can tell you. I mean, I can tell you where I was for the Super Bowl, too. But like, I mean, he's lost in walk-off fashion multiple times. That is gut-wrenching, even though we know he's like one of the greatest. Like, that's a huge part of his whole like. And speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he said recently, he said recently in an interview um, in like a a press conference that um, that the thing that really drives him, he's a, a very, very competitive person. He's talking about himself. He's a very, very competitive person. And he is driven by the thrill of winning, but he is driven more by how much he just hates to lose. And that is, uh, that is true of everything, football and chess and I've heard like games. ping pong, yeah. 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 Yeah, losing sucks. But if you're a fan, like, savor it. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not your, it. it's not your, it has nothing to do with you. Like, enjoy it. Enjoy the enjoy that 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 like 
look into your own soul. Enjoy every sandwich, as uh, Warren Zevon says, even the even the not so good ones. I think that's the perfect time to hit the polka. A little uh, little philosophy chat to round out our pre bi week show as the Packers head into uh, their vacation or staycation week, whatever they're doing, carrying that G with them wherever they go. Eight and two is their record. As Alex points to the G on his hat, I see you. Um, yeah, Packers got the week off. I don't know what you guys are doing with your weekend, but I am uh, not watching football personally. That's kind of how I like to celebrate the bye week is to give myself a reprieve from uh, the weird enjoyment I get from watching grown men smash their heads against each other. Give myself a little break from that. Um, we'll be back. Um, I guess we never talked about this, but I think we should do a show next week. If you guys can't, we'll figure something out. What do you think? I, I, I'm going to be in uh, Washington, D.C. for a lot of next week. Um, but I could potentially, eh, I honestly shouldn't commit right. to anything. <laughs> Ben's out. Alex, are you in live on the air? I'm, I'm in. calling we'll you out. We'll do a show. We'll do, we'll do a right. show. We can talk soup. We can talk whatever you want. Sandwiches. Well, Ben won't be here, but we can we can talk our own soup, our own soup experiences. Um, all right, so we'll do a show next week. Everybody enjoy the, the week off, however you choose to celebrate that. Refamiliarize yourself with your family, your loved ones, your pets, you know, that sort of thing. Follow the show at the APC Pod on Twitter, at Alex Patakis, at Ben Foldy, at Zach Rapport. Subscribe. Give us a rating on iTunes. We've gotten a few more. They're very much appreciated, and uh, they lift our spirits, and they help our, our show reach more people. So uh, until next time. Enjoy your weekend, folks, and uh, go pack go. Eight and two.